Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tonight on the Sword of the Spirit podcast, it's episode number 24. I'm joined by Brother Dustin Lone and Peter James to talk about weak Christianity. What is it that perpetuates this compromising brand of Christianity? Who is to blame for it? And also, we'll get an inside look at the Calling Random Pastors show put on by Framing the World. You're not going to want to miss this. The show starts next. Live here on youtube.com slash Ben the Baptist. This is Benjamin Naim here with you all as usual. Monday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. You're right where you should be tuning into the show. Thank you all very much for watching. We usually go on the air a little earlier and get a countdown clock going, but we were just right up against it tonight, getting getting everything prepared from a technical perspective for this broadcast. It's going to be a special one as I'm joined by not just Peter James, but also Dustin Lone from Framing the World to talk about his show, the show that he helps or that he participated in at least. I don't know if I would call it his show necessarily, but the uh, Calling Random Pastors show. I want to talk about that, ask him some questions about that broadcast. I find it to be very interesting. And in general, we'll be talking about weak Christianity tonight, the attributes of compromising Christianity. What is it that makes someone a compromiser? And why is it that these people are like this? And who is to blame for it? The show is available on on Apple Podcasts. It used to be called iTunes. Apple Podcasts just used the word Ben the Baptist, the keyword Ben the Baptist to find it, and also on the Stitcher Radio app. And of course, like I said, you are listening to this show on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Ben the Baptist. Just hit that subscribe button if you'd like some more content. But right now I'm going to introduce my guests. First of all, all the way from Arizona, the wonders of technology. I'm able to speak to them across the country here in 2020. I guess welcome to 2020, right? Anyway, that's a lame joke. Brother Dustin Lone is here with us right now. Brother Dustin, thank you very much for coming on to the program tonight. You're making your Sword of the Spirit podcast debut. How you doing? I'm doing great, Ben. This is great. Thank you very much. I really appreciate the invitation. Um, man, you just ran out that uh, invitation there, that uh, introduction. So 
Um, I mean, I was like, when do I, when do I come in? Any moment now, he's going to finish and introduce me. But yeah, he, Ed, any moment he's going to stop rambling on and on and on and just get on with it already. This guy just won't stop talking. I get it. I understand the frustration. I do tend to ramble and go down rabbit holes. But uh, thanks, Dustin. I appreciate you uh, coming on tonight. Hey, I'm glad to be here. Thanks a lot. And um, yeah, we do the um, Calling Random Pastors show here at Framing the World Live. And it's kind of interesting how you um, brought the topic as weak Christianity. And I don't know if you had any connection in your mind um, between those two. Or is that just a coincidence? No, there's a connection. Okay. I just want to see if we're thinking along the same lines. We definitely are thinking along the same lines. There is certainly a connection there. And in fact, that's the kind of the reason why I even wanted to do a show like this. It's because of some of the answers you've received on that program. You see him on your screen there. Brother Peter James is also with us tonight. Brother Peter, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me again, Ben. Yeah, I made a sudden movement there, so I kind of stole the screen. <laughs> okay. I mean, you got to stay. You kind of got to stay. Uh, keep your you're body good. silent when you're other. Otherwise, the screen thinks you want something to say. <laughs> you you, <clears> you want to say something? You stole Dustin's thunder, there, man. Come on. I know. I felt pretty bad about it, but <laughs> it might be the way things go tonight. I don't know. Based on this technology, I need to just. Stand still, sit still here when oh, I'm not man. talking. This wonderful it's like you got on. three drivers in the same car, and like everybody's just like, I think between the three of us, we're just a bunch of talkers, aren't we? So, oh yeah, we got we got to be uh, we got to be a little bit more meek so everybody gets. A chance I'm tempted to, to nod. I, I'm like want to nod at everything you guys say, but then Google Hangouts like <laughs> imposes me on your screen, so I kind of just stay still here. Yep. It's the sound. It's your squeaky chair. Yeah, I got to get some WD-40 on this chair. Yeah, where'd you get that? This is going to be fun tonight, though. You know, Dustin's a good friend of mine. Ben, you're a friend of mine. So I'm excited to just riff about things tonight with you guys. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I mean, you know, to me, this is an important topic, especially in today's day and age. I think we're in the falling away. And, you know, Dustin, he brought up the reason why I wanted to do this show, yes, there's a connection to the Calling Random Pastors program from Framing the World, in which they call random pastors and ask them a bunch of questions about what they believe on doctrine. And one thing I've noticed is that a ton of these pastors are very compromising. Many of them are weak. Now, some of them are, and some of them give some decent answers and things like that. We'll get into that a little bit later on. But uh, Dustin, are you, on, are you live on Framing the World side? Because I know you wanted to try and do that. I, yes, we are live. So we're live currently on three YouTube channels. We got your channel, and Paul has two of his channels up and running live. So we're see. Paul wants to be, and Paul is becoming extremely extraordinaire. So um, one of the good things uh, that's happened just over the last maybe year or so. I think it might have started um, with Pastor Anderson's call-in show, but Paul. I don't know. Maybe Paul can tell us a little bit more, but um, Paul just get, started getting more into streaming and, and live streaming events. So um, the show began, began because Paul just wanted to do more streaming stuff. So um, we just kind of, he's, we just got together and he's like, Hey, let's just find something to stream. And I, we did this, I think it was just one little stream where I just talked about this thing that happened to me locally here. And 
we're like, oh, that was okay. It was kind of fun. But what can we stream next? And we started thinking about calling people, calling people like you and, and Peter, and uh, maybe bringing in people from our church and find out a little bit about their history or maybe some anecdotes of their lives. And I don't know, Paul just called me up one day. He said, I got it. We're just going to call pastors and ask them a bunch of questions, just random pastors. So I was like, yeah, sure. So the next day or maybe that same day, I just came over and he just had his phone list out and we just started banging out some phone calls. And I used to do sales. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm very familiar with the cold call. So I had no problem just leaning, getting into it. My problem though, Ben, is, I, you know, I kind of want to debate a little bit with these guys. So I have to... Uh, moderate myself because these are pastors these are people who ordained to be pastors and in, in baptist churches and you'd think well most of them are saved you can tell some of them they're you can tell they're not saved right and um but the ones that are saved and they've got their stuff together but they're just zionist and and uh they've got blurry repent repentance from sin to be saved lines and they've got um they're all you know the homos can come into the church, and um, if you're, here's what they always like to say. It's like they they got it in Bible college. Well, it's first like a of all, script. <clears throat> yeah, one of the things they always say is, well, would you let a, like a reformed somebody who claims to be a reformed um, child abuser, somebody who wasn't, uh, you know, somebody who'd been arrested or had been through the system for abusing a child or sexually abusing a child if they were reformed or if they did their time would you let them back into the church and a lot of these pastors are like well yeah we'll let them back in but we just will keep an eye on them so that's their answer we just won't let them in the children's ministry but we'll keep an eye on them and it's like okay well that must that must be good enough because that's you know that's probably what every parent does and that's what every teacher does and somehow they don't get past that so that's a little sarcastic response but you want to say something like that but yeah. you're like well okay sir thank you very much or i really appreciate you uh answering that so clearly <laughs> and then you go on to the next question and then they're you know so it is it is kind of frustrating because i kind of want to take it to them that's kind of my character but um, it's not what we're doing here yeah and uh, brother paul so. said no so you have to just follow paul up. said no yeah no if you watch the first couple episodes you can see him just kind of like like if you could see, well, you can see my face as he's just like, stop it. Stop, that's enough. <laughs> Cut it off. So. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, man. Well, we'll get to that. And like I said, I definitely wanted to, to ask you some more questions about that specifically. But something that a lot of these pastors tend to support is the military industrial complex through their love for Zionism and Israel, which is why whenever the United States ends up bombing some country in the Middle East, they're always all for it because anything that supports Israel in their eyes is holy and righteous and they support it 100% blindly without even thinking about it. And something that I find very frustrating about that brand, whoop, just knocked my mic, uh, about that brand of Christianity is this idea that the support for the Republican Party and neoconism and foreign military interventionism, which I talked about last week on the program in detail, everything that's going on with Iran right now and the assassination of that Iranian general and things like that. It's the Republican Party and their Fox News Baptist friends who are 
so happy right now and they're so supportive of Trump and his warmongering agenda in the Middle East, his destabilization effort in the Middle East. And what frustrates me about it is they seem to be more steadfast. They seem to have more zeal for defending the Republican Party and neoconism and warmongering and dropping bombs in the Middle East than they are about salvation, than they are about defending their local church from filthy sodomite pedophiles. I mean, you brought up how compromising they are on that issue, and it just boggles my mind. Why is it that for a lot of these churches, they're more supportive, more outspoken for the Republican Party than issues that actually matter? Is it that they're obsessed with politics and maybe watching too much Fox News instead of studying the Bible? What's the problem here? Why are they more outspoken in their support for neoconism than they are actual biblical doctrine? We'll start with Peter, and then we'll go to Dustin. What do you think about this, Peter? I think it's exactly what you said, um, it's just deeply ingrained propaganda. I mean, it's it's almost like these <clears throat> these pastors and these Christians, they um they forget that there's millions of people in the Middle East who are unsaved, who are just people, who are just normal human beings who have been cursed in a in a region of the world uh, with this this horrible oppressive uh, religion and political system. That is that's under the umbrella of Islam, and um, they forget that when we're shedding all this blood in the Middle East, a, a million Iraqis and uh, all these people who live in Afghanistan, Syria, uh, wherever wherever it is in countries in uh, you know North Africa, Lebanon, like wherever the United States has its its militaristic footprint. There's um there's Christians dying. There's people who aren't wicked reprobate people dying. There's oppression happening. There's cruelty happening, and it's um it's funded by our tax dollars. It's um it's cheered on by uh, neocon, even Christians. You know God's people. The the Bible says uh, the wicked and him that loveth violence, uh, his soul hateth. God hates uh, just this this um. <clears throat> You know this um, lifting up of, of bloodshed and, and violence. If anybody saw, you know, with their own eyes, what's actually happening in these countries, they would really, uh, I think, take a step back and uh, and repent of of their attitudes. Because the thing that's so weird about these pastors and these Christians, it's like, you know, no one no one is buying the the neocon line anymore. The uh, the hyper just militaristic. Uh, you know, bomb them all and let God sort them out. No one is really buying that anymore. I mean, they were in 2001, you know, 2004, 2008, and even maybe up until five or six years ago. But everyone is just sick of it now at this point, except these um, these just neocon professing Christians who are just who hold on to this, um, you know, this neocon ideology and what it comes down to is Zionism. What it comes down to is, you know, just this avid, you know, uh, just nonstop, no matter what, just blind support of, of Israel. They know, they understand that these wars are in the interest of Israel, and they truly believe this just asinine, just crazy doctrine that the most Christ-rejecting people on this earth, which is the, the Jewish people, 
are somehow the chosen people of God, that uh, the the Christ rejecting, you know, Christ killing in spirit people in, in Israel who identify as Jews, who the Bible calls in the book of Revelation twice, you know, which is the book about the end times. It, it calls them the synagogue of Satan. They somehow believe that they're somehow chosen by God. And um, what it does, it just, it blinds them to, you know, I hate Zionism a lot. It's a really wicked doctrine. It's turning people away from, from church. I mean, I just heard a guy talk this past week um, about how just, you know, this he's an unsaved guy trying to go to church and stuff because um, he's he's looking he's uh he's on youtube and he, and he was talking about how like he wants to get into church but he was like yeah i just hate this zionist stuff and it's turning a lot of you know people see that it's ridiculous so the fact that christians can't see that it's ridiculous i mean there's no excuse anymore i think movies like marching to zion and not even marching to zion only but there's a lot of information out there today it's like i believe god is allowing the truth to be just, you know, uh, spread out into the, the dialectic of, of, you know, and the conversation in the United States and Christians are just rejecting it. And I think we're going to get into it later. You say, well, what makes a lame Christian? Well, what makes a lame Christian and ultimately like a wicked Christian, somebody who becomes like a King Saul is somebody who will, a, a saved person who rejects the word of God and just refuses to acknowledge what it says in favor of some political ideology, that's how you become lame and that's how you become wicked and, and judged by God. So ultimately, I think it comes down to Zionism. It's like you say, it comes down to propaganda that's just been ingrained in them. And like, I know, I'm almost certain that if I went over to Iran or Iraq, I'm certain it would be like any other country I visited. I would, I would love the people. I'd get along with the people. And, um, because they're people, you know, they're human beings and um, we shouldn't just bomb the hell out of them. And, and, you know, that thing with Donald Trump, it just seemed like a, just um, a show of brute force. It just seemed like um, this like locker room posturing to me. It just kind of came out of nowhere. Just this display of brute force. We're just going to take out your official and we're just going to just, you know, bomb the hell out of him with this missile you know, right. as he's leaving the airport. And unfortunately, we I don't know what's true. I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. But to see Christians rallying around it is uh it's getting like gut wrenching now. It's getting like um it's like vile. So yeah. I, I'm not all, I'm not about it. Well, for them, standing behind the Republican Party blindly and that warmongering agenda is how in their minds they take a stand for something boldly because that's what they consider to be controversial today. It's why a lot of these preachers will get up and say things like, oh, um, homosexuality is, is a, it's a sin. <laughs> and they start looking around, just making sure, you know, that everything's okay, that they're not being persecuted. Well, that's lame, all right? And here's the thing. The standard for what constitutes hard preaching today it seems to get lower and lower in, in the mainstream world, but that's a different topic here. Dustin, let's get you in on this here. Uh, your thoughts on, I mean, you've, you've made some of the calls. I've seen you very 
um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Very patient with these people, Dustin, in the sense that you're listening to ridiculous answers, but even though you do want to engage in maybe a debate type thing, you're always very calm, cool, collected. But you, you listen to pastor after pastor after pastor tell you about how important it is to support Israel. What are your thoughts on them just being so steadfast in their support, not just for Zionism, but every time military action needlessly is being taken for regime change or anything else in the Middle East, these same old IFB Bap Fox News Baptists are lined up and supporting the agenda like robots. Well, it's a total mystery to me. It's, it's, a, it's a mystery. I, I don't see how anybody can open up their Bible and believe that the the rapture happens before the tribulation. And I don't know how anybody can look in the book of Revelation and think that the tribulation saints are are a bunch of small hat, you know, um, or big hat. It depends different what, what city you're in, I guess. If you're in New York, you got the big hat. And if you're in another place, <laughs> the town, you got the little hat and you got the... Right, so... How are they the uh, the tribulation saints? So I, I don't see how anybody who calls himself a Christian can open up their Bible and and see that. And I've had a pastor that I um, went to his church and I opened up the Bible and he gave me a fair shot to try to show him the the rapture and the tribulation. And of course, his answer was before we get into you know the sun and moon being darkened and clear things that explain when the day of the Lord is. Let me explain to you why Israel is still. So he's like taking me to like Ezekiel 28 and stuff. So, um, and I'm like, no, 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 no. It's sitting right here. It's just clear as day. I see it. But then they, the guy just looks at me and he's just like, no, I'm still going to stick with what I got. And it just blows my mind. It just absolutely, it's a mystery. And that's one of the reasons why I want to talk to these pastors is because I want to find out there's something there. I think they're just like under some, they're either, a wicked which it's hard to imagine but they're just total phony people and i'm not saying that's all of them but i think there's a lot of them i think the, the, some of the guys that are putting out some uh, bible college stuff um are some pretty wicked people and i think the people who go to bible colleges you know I, i'm gonna take it to the bible college because it seems to be something that's consistent with uh, people who are not people who are of our ilk you know, the, the new IFB, as it were, is that they haven't been, they haven't sold out to get the Bible college certificate. So um, that's one thing that separates the new IFB from the quote unquote, the old IFB is that they haven't taken the, the Bible college ticket all the way. Um, they may have done some courses in Bible college, but, or maybe they've come, some have graduated Bible college, but um, I see that there's a big difference is that the mentality seems to be coming down from some wicked people in Bible college. And these people, I don't know if they're under some kind of spell or something. They're either wicked or they're some under some kind of spell. And one of my desires is to kind of snap them out of it. I want to argue with them and show them how their points are inconsistent and see if any of them have, but I have yet to be successful um, to do that. And so what it comes, I don't know, it comes down to there's something in these folks' hearts. And, I, and, and so they're gravitated. They gravitate to this Fox News, this, um, this quote-unquote conservative movement because they're not conservative because they're just like the right wing of the same, you know, Zionist bird because you have um, 
you know, all these Hollywood Zionists and you have all these conservative Zionists and they're just pushing America into debt and into war. So, um, so when I see it, I'm kind of puzzled to see what it is. So in my mind, I'm trying to figure out what's going down with the, with this whole thing, because they're clearly believe that they're like bringing in the Lord somehow. Like they're just going to get this, like they want Israel to have some kind of dominion because in their, their eschatology, Israel's got to like have his, its king and Israel has to have the dominion where where that's what Israel wants to do. Israel wants to get, or not Israel necessarily, but the internationalists who hide behind the sovereign state of Israel, they want to see um, every nation in the world have a central bank be totally in debt to that system so they can have their one world kingdom and bring in their ruler. And it seems like I, like the spell that these Baptists are under is that if they can help do that, then they'll get raptured or something like that. Like that's, it seems to be that's their logic. Like I, I think it's all connected somehow and, and we just don't see how it's connecting, but in their mind, it makes perfect sense. So that's part of the mystery that I think is um, that, that I'm looking at when I see those things. Cause I, a lot of them are smart guys and a lot of them know their Bible, but I don't know why. They're totally bamboozled by that, and they're afraid. So it comes down to fear. It comes down that they're not loving. They're not soul winning. They're not doing the things that, that, that the Lord has instructed them to do. Like they've got this other agenda that's, that's come from some other source where instead of just – because the Bible says this is, this is how I want the Lord to come back. You know, that this is my objective. I want the Lord to come back really soon. Maybe not before the end of this broadcast because I understand that some things have to happen first. But – the Bible says that this gospel is going to be preached into all nations. It's going to go out into all the world. So what are we going to do if we want the Lord to come back? We're going to preach the gospel to everybody. And we're going to make sure everybody gets a presentation of the gospel. But I think what they want to do is make sure that nobody else gets a chance. And then that's how you pretty much make sure that we're done preaching the gospel. So we make it pretty much, we bring the Antichrist and then, hey, we can't preach the gospel anymore. Now Jesus has to come. So if that makes uh, any sense to you, that's my kind of my uh, unraveling of, of what I see there. Well, they're definitely married to their tradition of the pre-trib rapture and their love for Israel. I mean, after all, all Israel shall be saved, brother. Romans chapter 11. All Israel shall be saved. But the reality is, uh, that's not at all what the Bible is saying there. And it seems like they skipped over Romans chapter 9 in order to get to Romans chapter 11 to twist it. But my point is this. You brought up the Bible colleges, Dustin. And... And the thumbnail for the broadcast on my channel is John Guy, better known as, for those of you who listen to Pastor Anderson, Pastor Polka Dot, this limp-wristed, effeminate, queer little sissy from West Coast Baptist College. And that is the byproduct of this compromising Christianity and these Bible colleges where people go and they sit there and they learn about dispensationalism and they learn about Zionism and the pre-trib rapture and repent of your sins or whatever else. And they leave these Baptist colleges not as men. Okay, the men that go in, perhaps they go in as men, but then they come out effeminized. Then they come out full of estrogen. Then they come out looking like they're addicted to Starbucks lattes that women often drink. So I, I just don't understand this, Dustin. When it comes to Bible college, there's the appeal there for people to go. They think they're going to learn the Bible, 
but they come out more messed up than they did going in. Yeah, I think it's the devil's hand. You know, the devil has um, brought forth these people who are just wicked, false prophets, and and those people put themselves in positions of power so they can have the preeminence. They do it for the money. They do it for their perversions, and then they end up bringing these disciples after themselves. And um, so there's this whole network. But anybody who's done any hunting or trapping, you know, you just, all you have to do is make sure that the prey that you're trying to trap doesn't have any other path to go, right? So if you understand the nature of who you're trying to get, and who's who? Who's the devil trying to get? The devil's trying to get God's man, right? So you have these positions that, that of pastors, and so you 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 claim the space where God's man's going to step. So you go and you set the trap there, and that trap is Bible college, right? So you get in there, you get the church in debt, you get you do all these. So these things are happening um, because these men are just drawn after their own lust. They're not going. They're not willing to just stand on the word of God. That's not their foundation. So they, they, they fall for these tricks and they fall for these things that, that they think that's the shortcut, you know? So I think these things are just kind of, it's like a lit path. If you want to be a man of God, then just walk down this lit path and everything else seems a little bit more difficult or something that's not, um, that's not as, uh, it's not promoted by the peers. So they just, they just walk straight down this path and it's a bunch of grown men who just won't think for themselves if you ask me and they're not um and that's what god that's what we need and that's been the characteristic of of men of god and those people who do think for themselves they get marginalized really quick so if you're a guy who's just wants to um you know preach hard and and uh, debate doctrine in the church with your with your fellows after church you get together you open up your bible and be like well but this is what this is what i think this verse means well no because if you turn over here there's a second witness over here like that stuff that isn't allowed to happen they don't want that to happen because they're afraid of that kind of um, interaction and so naturally those men like that gets sifted out you know men that are natural rulers and and leaders, you know, they they kind of get marginalized, and and then uh, so I think obviously it's the devil that's that's uh, kind of laying this path, and and these and the guys that make it down each step of the way are the ones that will compromise more and more and more, if you ask me. Yeah. And then if if you don't do that, then you're like Pastor Stephen Anderson or one of an, an Andersonite, and they and they just go ahead and shame you for not not being like that and they just um and then to drag your name through the mud and, and and do all the things that we've seen happen with um well specifically with pastor anderson so you see um you see what he uh, what he represents is the total antithesis of what those guys are you know he's you know i don't think I've, I don't know when he's had any soy. I've never heard of him consuming any soy, but these guys just seem to have like have it on the nipple, you know? Oh, so. man. Yeah, that, that is their diet for breakfast, <laughs> for lunch, and for dinner. Tofu, tofu, tofu for all three meals interspersed with some frappe, little queer latte or whatever from Starbucks. Ron Hauser says this in the chat room. He says, I spent the last year trying to get my professors saved. 
talking about when he used to be in Bible college. They worship the doctrines of men. You can show them something from the Bible and they'll respond with, well, Dr. So-and-so says, etc., etc. So this is a guy who knows a lot about the inner workings of Bible college. In the future, I'll do an entire show on it and I'll get him on. Brother Ron Hauser, he goes to Steadfast Jacksonville, is a friend of mine. And I think it would be cool to get his testimony on a future episode of the show. So, Ron, if you're listening... Watch out, because I'm going to bother you to uh, come on my show sometime. But Peter, I want to ask you this, because we are talking about weak Christianity, and you're somebody who strikes me as an individual who wants to learn the Bible. You want to learn new. Do- you want to learn about doctrine. You want to get more well versed on what the Scriptures say, and and right doctrine, and listening to preaching and things like that. But I want to put you in this scenario, <laughs> Peter. You're a young guy, and let's say you somehow were forced into Let's say your parents, they forced you to go to West Coast Baptist College or something like that, which is a producer, and we're talking about weak Christianity tonight, it's a producer of weak, limp-wristed, compromising Christians who don't take a stand on anything whatsoever. And let's say you found yourself in an environment like that, and you found yourself at a school like West Coast Baptist College, or, or one of these other ones as well, and you're sitting there and you're listening to Polka Dot, and you're listening to all these other guys get up there and just totally butcher what the Bible actually says and deliver some horrible messages. How long would you survive in a school like that without just going crazy? Well, I think that's why Bible college is a dangerous place to be. The Bible colleges, it's a huge problem nowadays. Like these these false doctrine uh factories and these these big institutions that are like preacher factories that churn out all these preachers and um i'm not saying god can't use people from bible colleges you know he does but um we're in a like an environment nowadays where bible college uh bible college students are exposed to uh, the truth they're exposed to uh the right doctrine on the end times you know if you if you went to an independent fundamental Baptist Bible college and and asked the students and especially the ones that are trained to be preachers and pastors if they've heard of marching to Zion or if they've heard of uh, after the tribulation and um, or, or if they're aware that these ideas are out there they'd almost all say yes nowadays and that's why it's so dangerous for them to uh, just continue to toe this line because they're not doing it they're doing it in willing ignorance but my fear if i found myself at one of these colleges you know um you know i'm not better than anybody my fear would be that i would become like them and um you know i'm uh my human nature is as um <clears throat> it's as prevalent as anybody else's you know i i figure that if i was uh, in one of these colleges i would um I would see the problems and I would have a choice to make uh, either walk away and reject it or just toe the line and become like them. And um, I think we're all prone to that. That's why false doctrine is bad. That's why being lukewarm is bad. That's why letting these things slip is a, a big problem because, you know, one thing I've noticed is that, you know, w- at least for myself, you know, I, you, we have the tendency, or at least I have the tendency to let things slip. Like for example, um, you know, there could, there will be a topic that all of a sudden will come to, uh, you know, it, it'll start being discussed and it's something that, um, 
you know, a couple of years ago, I was really well versed on. I was really, um, you know, I, I was really, um, I was really into defending a certain doctrine or like I, I remembered and I knew exactly why I believed what I believed. But then like a couple of years down the road, if those things aren't polished and cleaned up and you don't revisit those things, you kind of forget, you, you tend to, you, you tend to forget and you tend to become like the people that you hang out with. And I wouldn't want to go to West Coast Baptist College. And, and you know, first of all, you know, uh, Paul Chapel is um, he's he's churning out some some weird, quote unquote, men of God up there. Uh, is it is West Coast? Yeah, West Coast. That's John Guy came from Paul Chapel's college, which is West Coast Baptist College. Is that right? Yeah, because there's another one. I'm thinking of Golden State Baptist College. So there's two of them out there. But like when you see these guys like um, John Guy, who is, you know, like he, the only thing he hasn't done is take Baptist off the sign. And, um, you know, I could only imagine that the world would look at these preachers who are being sent out and the things that they're saying. I mean, you look at John Guy's Facebook. It's all about like. It's all like this sodom sodomite apologist stuff and like, you know, why we love the sodomites and um, you know, just really lukewarm, limp wristed stuff, like you said. Yeah. And so my biggest fear is that God will uh, that they're saved people going to these institutions and that they are being encouraged by these like big monolithic institutions where you'll be kicked out or you'll be ostracized or you'll be defunded or you'll be um, kind of, you know, you'll be shunned if you don't tow a certain line. And that encourages them, that pressure in their, you know, uh, people tend to give in to peer pressure that it just curses our nation with all of these like um, ungodly men of God. You know, the, the last thing we need is, uh, is effeminate preachers. The last thing we need is, and even in the, the Bible colleges that are conservative and, uh, and soul winning, you know, Zionism. And I understand that we, a lot of us have to go to churches where, you know, you, you have to pick your battles, but Zionism, it, it doesn't matter what doctrine it is. If you are, uh, being willingly ignorant to what the Bible says in order to hold on to your own wrong ideas for your own selfish purposes, you're going to be cursed for that. You're, you're going down a path of, uh, of lies and you can't just jump back onto the, the right path, you know, whenever you desire, it's like, you know, you have to, you have to choose who you're going to serve. You have to choose which way you're going to walk. And Zionism especially, I would not want to go to an institution that just like lifts up and glorifies the nation of Israel because the problem with Zionism is that <laughs> this is why it's so demonic. We understand that the promises that we are Israel, but more importantly, the elect, the chief cornerstone, you know, Jesus Christ is elect. That's why we're elect. So where we read the Bible in the old and the Old Testament and see Jesus Christ and um, you know and, and we see Jesus Christ on every page, they 
attribute the blessings that are made for Jesus Christ and his and his sheep and his people and his brethren and they attribute them and they um they they give them to a Christ rejecting nation that I can't think of a more Christ rejecting people than than the Jews I mean maybe maybe like literal satanists I mean at least Hinduism, at least Islam, at least uh, these other religions, false Christianity, they will at least not curse the name of Jesus, even though they don't understand who Jesus is. But um, you don't see it in the Bible, these big institutions, these preacher factories, where all Satan has to do is corrupt the head. All he has to do is, you know, uh, you know, a little leaven leaven it the whole lump. And it's like, look, look at you know, as uncomfortable and as unfortunate as it was, like the situation with Pastor Joe Major and Pastor Anderson, you know, they're not they're not having fellowship right now. But that's the end of it. You know, they had a disagreement. That's the end of it. Whereas these institutions, they send out preachers. If one of these preachers just wants to get right and, and start preaching, you know, uh, at the end times, uh, you know, and es his eschatology correctly – and have a proper view of a post-trib rapture or uh, he wants to get right and, you know, correctly look at the Bible through the lens of the, you know, replacement theology, which is correct. He will be totally disowned. Uh, he will be, uh, you know, defellowshipped. He'll, and he will be like, if, if he's a missionary, he'll be uh, defunded. He'll be completely left on his own. That's because, you know they've gotten themselves in this in this boat where they're not truly independent they're relying on you know the mother bible college and not only is it uh, a lie factory and in a you know a um a lame preacher factory many times N not all of them but you know there's there are problems with all of them but some are worse than others now um you just you just have all these problems that comes that come from doing things unbiblically, having this big, you know, factory yeah. of Bible college, and right. it's causing all these problems. And I wouldn't want to go there because I'm afraid I'd become like them. I want to go to a good church and be like those people, and um, it, that's an independent church. That way, if I want to leave that that church, that's the end of it, and I can, you know, there's we're all independent, so we could, you know shake the dust off our feet well, a lot of the pastors from the calling random pastors show of course graduated from bible college and dustin i wanted to ask you about that program just kind of swinging back to to the show that you participated in and for those of you that don't know what i'm talking about if you check out the framing the world youtube channel you could see their simul stream right there if that's even a word simul stream co-stream that's the way it should be put co-stream with Ben the Baptist. But anyway, Framing the World Live is the channel in which this is broadcast, and you can hit that subscribe button if you want to subscribe to this channel. But you see they've done 28 episodes of this show, Calling Random Pastors, courtesy of Framing the World Live, and you can watch these episodes here. But Brother Dustin, what have been some of the most frustrating answers you've received or that even just as a viewer, if you've watched some of these episodes and not necessarily participated in them, but what's been the most frustrating aspect for you? Is it the pastors who sit there and deny that we should 
put the sodomites to death as a country, that we should uphold the laws of God. I know for that, that particular question that you guys ask, whether or not sodomites should be put to death, that gets me angry when I see these pastors sit there and say, no, in fact, we shouldn't because, oh, that's Old Testament. It doesn't count anymore. And they never actually give you any scripture to back that up. That frustrates me. The repent of your sins issue frustrates me as well. But is there anything you would point to that's a very frustrating aspect of that whole thing and an answer that you keep hearing over and over and over again that gets you angry? You got me? Yes. Okay. Because um, I was muted for a bit. So one of my uh, major annoyances that I really want to take the task with these guys is – so we have a series of questions – and then those questions kind of build, and they've kind of developed over the the 28 or so um, episodes that we've done. And I haven't. There's been about a, a handful of other guys that have done it with us. And but what my experience is is that when you when you get into the um, if a sodomite, if somebody used to be a sodomite, or what would you let a sodomite into your church? Now I've think we should bring it into the word sodomite just use biblical terms but you know um, so if a sodomite came into your church would you let them um, would you let them be in your church you know they're like oh yeah and this is that bible college influence well they can come but no way could they be members right so they have this whole tiered membership like they've got to join um so they can't be members <laughs> and and then so you started getting into this this thing like well they they couldn't continue in that sin they'd have to repent of the sin right and so there's a total logical fallacy um, if you because one of the leading questions and this got me hung up on I think one time is um, do you believe in one saved always saved if somebody believes on the Lord what does somebody got to do to be saved believe on the Lord Jesus Christ once somebody's saved do they have to do anything to keep that salvation typical soul winning questions that we want to make sure that this person saved, right? And what are, what are they preaching? And what are they telling people who call their church? Once somebody's saved, are they always saved? Yeah. So we'll get that, you know. And so then we go on and, and the, the questions develop into, well, if somebody were a sodomite, would you let them come to your church? Well, no, they'd have to stop being a sodomite, you know. And that question's also uh, has developed into, can a sodomite be a Christian? So you're getting into this area where they now they have to actually be uh, their logic actually has to follow because we're building an argument with them, and so the argument becomes: Is once somebody saved, do they have to do anything? Is there any sins they have to repent of to be saved? And some of these guys will say, No, they don't have to repent of their sins. And then you say, Well, what if a sodomite comes to your church? Well, he'd have to stop being a sodomite. So I got hung up on one time because my question was: Well, if somebody is a sodomite but they get saved and they believe in the lord jesus christ what if they backslide back into being would they still be saved and then somehow i was like i don't know what happened but i totally lost connection with that guy and i want to think he hung up on me because i don't want to think god bailed him out with some internet or some bad phone connection like god's like that's my guy don't you know like yeah. you're putting him in a you're putting him under the under the hot light here you can't do that but i figured it was him that kind of hung up but this that's what gets me the most and that's where i where I, where I like the 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 warrior in me because we're in a battle and these guys you know there's nothing worse than friendly fire there's nothing worse than traitors in your ranks 
you know. And so as Christians, you're out there, you're just trying to preach the right gospel. You're trying to raise your family right. You want people to go to church and be fed and be strong and have the word of God as their foundation. So when when that day comes, they're not going to fall away. They're going to stand fast and they're going to win souls because that's what the church is there for. The church is there to have, uh, so we can have that fellowship of the spirit. You know, we can all have fellowship in the flesh with anybody in the world, but where are we going to get that fellowship of the spirit, but with saved brethren in the church? So that's what these guys are supposed to be bishoping. They're supposed to have a flock of, of believers. And what really gets on my nerves is the fact that they're logically inconsistent. And um, God is a very logical God. You know, he's, 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 um, perfectly balanced in his in his wisdom Absolutely. and there's nothing there's not a remainder in the equation everything just adds up perfectly and um if and all you have to do is tell the truth and accept the truth and it all comes together but when you start getting into these half truths and and start twisting the truth then you start getting into well you got to they could be saved these homos if if they just stop being a homo but then they're once saved always saved but you know, if they backslide, then were they really saved? But like, but if they just believe then, right? And so I really want to take it to these guys and like spiritually grab them by the collar and just look them dead in the eyes and say, so you're telling me that you can lose your salvation? Are you telling me that you have to repent of a sin to be saved? What are you telling me? And make them kind of like come out with it. But Paul won't let me really do that. And I don't think it's a good thing, um, you know, because we want to do all things honorable. Right, but so that's one of my frustration is because I think sometimes, like, we we have to be meek and humble and and treat these fellows as fathers, and even if they, I mean, because they're holding the office of a bishop, and um, and somehow God put them in front of a, a a Baptist church and they've got their name on the on the website, and so it's not our place to go through and and to to really do that and call them out as just laymen. But I, I, you know, somehow these guys just, I want to kind of just mess with them a little bit. I want to put a thorn in their minds where one of two things happens. And I do it soul winning all the time. You know, you want to just put that thorn in somebody's mind. They call it, some people want to, you, you want to plant a seed, of course, with the word of God. But sometimes if the person is not really receptive, you want to just put a thorn in there where it just destroys their worldview, where they have to realize that, that, that I was right and they were wrong, right? So like when somebody says, when somebody says, I don't believe in heaven, I just believe in evolution. And I said, well, so you have faith in this. I, no, I believe in reincarnation. Well, then you have faith in this, this judge at the end of your life that's going to reincarnate you as like something better than, so you've got no control over it. You're just going to get reincarnated and there's going to be some sort of judge, whether it's just the universe itself or so you've got faith in this. So that's great. You have faith in something, and it's God, and it's going to judge you when you die. Well, you know, if you want to visit our church, here's the, you know, invitation. So you want to, so I want to, like, sometimes just put something in their mind to just let them know that, they're, that their logic doesn't hold up and that they're not really thinking this thing clear. So when they, when they try to defend themselves later, hopefully that there is something in their mind that's going to um, rattle around. Mm -hmm. So... Um, that's one of the things I think we want to accomplish. And, you know, one of those main things has to do with main, with just salvation. Cause what's the church there, but to get people saved and to show people, um, 
you know what it means to be a believer in Christ and and get people there and and get people to the door and and help them knock on the door so they can enter in right so um yeah so that's yeah. i guess frustration wise i don't really take it personally because i just know this is out. i've been around long enough to know that this is out there i don't take it personally i just see that that this is this the type of character that these fellows are and it's really refreshing when you meet a guy who's just a good guy and he's got it together and and um he's just there to to serve in the church so we don't want to just totally like bash everybody we ever call um they'll expose themselves by just their answers some of these guys are really good guys and they've got good doctrine and that you can tell that they love the lord and they love the members of their church and and even if they think that they're just gonna get somebody who's you know full-on proud of sodomy right. they think they can get them saved like well you you kind of just because there is that meek and lowly spirit of the Lord that that the Lord Jesus Christ is totally forgiving and he did humble himself and he did all of those things. And that is a character of our God is that he is meek and he is lowly and that, um, he, you know, he's long suffering and he's been long suffering toward us. And, you know, so I can see where somebody can justify that spirit, but you can't do that and see clear scriptures like Romans 1 or know what's happening in the world um, when people of that ilk are, are they have an agenda to destroy the family and to destroy the children and to destroy the next generation and to destroy the church and to, and to do everything and they, they're haters of God. You just can't be long-suffering sure. in the face of that. So, Well, not to be only negative, there certainly have been some pastors that you guys have called who were really really good they had salvation right i know there was one guy who actually said and i forgot his name but he said that the society would be better off if we were to put sodomites to death he just openly said it he didn't compromise on that issue he didn't hold back on that issue so you do meet some pretty good ones from time to time and you do end up speaking to some pretty good pastors from time to time who might not have the rapture right or Zionism right, but at the very least they have salvation right and they have the issue of the sodomites right as well. One thing I've noticed too is when you start off, you begin the conversation by asking them what they think a Christian is and then you sort of move in. Well, what does somebody have to do to be saved? And do you believe one saved, always saved? And I feel like, or what the age of the earth is, is another one that you ask. And those first few questions... They tend to go pretty good a lot of the time where you start to think, okay, this person's on the right track. This person seems to be saved. We're doing okay. But then once you hit that question on repentance, <laughs> once you ask them what they believe on repentance, a lot of the time that's when the wheels tend to fall off of the wagon. That's when the train gets totally derailed and they give you some stupid answer about how repentance means turning from all your sins in order to be saved. There was one guy who said that, she, that she's talked to who said repentance is a fruit of salvation and if there is no repentance of sins after salvation as a necessary result, then that person didn't exhibit a true changed life and therefore was never saved to, be, to begin with. A total lordship salvation damnable heresy so once you get to that question i feel like that's the stumbling block for them that's where they end up getting a lot of it wrong and before we go back to peter 
Dustin, your response to that, it seems like the repentance issue is where things start to fall off. And then obviously once you get into Israel and things like that, the majority of them are wrong. Probably all of them, I'm sure, have gotten that one wrong. But salvation is the core. Salvation is the fundamental doctrine that you would hope at the very least that would get, they would get right. And many of them do, right? There are a lot of them who are saved. But you also have met a plethora or you've spoken to a plethora of them who tend to get the repentance issue wrong. What's your response to that? Well, that's one of the things that I find because, you know, Paul just had this idea. Let's just call random pastors and ask it, you know, let's see what happens. And so the questions have evolved, right? Use the word evolved like, uh, like it's probably meant to be used, right? So it's developed over time, building upon the just last don't generation. Just create whatever you do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So these questions have moved along. Why? Because we're seeing, we're getting different feedback. You know, there's lots of different uh, nuances of how we want to make sure we're not being deceptive, but we also don't want to just show our cards. And so we want to um, help them answer the questions by not making them too difficult. And um, one of the things I feel like just the, the whole picture that's coming together with all of this is I think we can see a lot of what's wrong with Christianity. Is that it's in these pastors and the fact that um, that they've got this repentance doctrine and they've got this. The, every single one of them is like, "Well, are you supporting Israel?" And they're like, "Well, of course." As if oh, there's yeah. a question to it. Like, <laughs> "Well, of course." That's like I can't tell you how many times you know you're you're writing down their question. Okay. Well, what do you think of the nation of Israel? Do you support them? And then I was just like, of course. Like that was their verbatim uh, response. So when it comes to repentance, um, I think repentance is a, a, a big issue that drives a lot of people away from Christianity. This idea that you have to repent of your sins. And these guys, um, they're... So a humble person out of an honest and true heart is going to look at themselves and go, I can't, I can't repent of my sins. I love sinning. I don't want to do that. You know, I'm not ready to get saved today. Um, come back to me when I'm out of college. Come, out, come, out, come back to me when I have a wife and two kids and I've got like a, a stable life and I, I'm not really done, you know, where there's no consequences to my problems. And, you know, people who, who don't understand that, uh, that they're just – piling up wrath and, and you know my sin hasn't really come hard on me yet so when you ask them so if they think they've got to repent of their sins they they've got this idea that that uh well i'm not ready to be a christian because truthfully i'm not done smoking i'm not done drinking i'm not done fornicating i'm not done whatever it is that people want to do in the world and everybody's got something even if it's just wearing pants or you know watching hollywood movies they know that a true christian wouldn't do that so I, it's definitely, again, it's that mystery. Like, So these guys can somewhat be saved and give this saved answer, but you know they're not sounding a clear sound. So the devil is totally using them to turn people away from getting saved. You know, I know Revelation 12 talks about um, that's a picture of like the devil going after the saints in the tribulation, go, making war with the remnant of the woman's seed. But I, I can see that happening as soon, and it's, maybe it's just a, a Matthew 13 type of situation where, um, where the seed, when it lands on, on the shallow earth, it, 
that the, the fouls of the air, if I might be wrong about the how they come and they pluck they take the seed away before it's able to grow. So like these pastors, like it's like they're in a position that the devil is totally it I don't know if it's always been like this or if it's just a sign of the times, or maybe the internet is just like is just um, purifying it where everybody's able to see it and we're able to categorize it and it's becoming a lot more um, contrasted uh, because the, the viewpoints are immediately evident and it doesn't take long time to maybe, but maybe that's what's happening in these days. But um, so these pastors are in such a position that when they, when they say that like, you got to repent of their of your sins, people are, are just not wanting to do that, so they're not getting saved, and it's just a, a tool of the devil. And these guys are just, you know, they're not standing on the word of God; they're just hanging out um, with what their buddies say. And that kind of goes back. I wanted to like say something about when Peter was talking in Bible college. It's like they accuse us as being in a cult, right? And so. You know, when you think about a cult, you know, you think about like Jonestown and stuff like that. But some of the characteristics of a cult is where people just they surrender their individual will to the will of this group. And so therefore their individual desires or what's good for them or what they deem to be righteous or right is put on the back burner so they can serve a group that they want to be part of. That's a cult. And so <clears throat> if you're doing that, you know, um, you know, shame on you. You should you should have better um, self worth than that. But you know, the the new IFB doesn't seem to have those mechanisms where it 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 evokes that type of devotion from people. Now, like if you're on a street gang, what they do is they they like get you to do something that goes against your principles that they can hold against you or that they've got on you. And so they get you to involved in some crime. And, you know, the skull and bones, that's like a cult. They, you know, these Illuminati yeah. cults, they're cults Secret because societies. these people have submitted themselves to this. Now they get, because they're in the, they've gotten special membership, they get special privileges. So, and that's why they want to be part of it is they want to be on the inner circle of this cult. And so what I think of the Bible colleges and these, what these preachers do and, and these, these little sending out little churches that have their, I think they're total cults. I think that you have to kind of like sit around and go, Jesus can come back at any moment. Amen. Amen. And then you either have to admit that you haven't read your Bible or that you know what the Bible says or you've heard the other position and you're like, yeah, who cares? It doesn't matter because he's going to come back when he comes back and it doesn't really matter. It's not a, a divisive issue, but I'm just going to... I'm just going to say that because I just want to I just want to liken myself to these guys so I can have fellowship with them and I can feel important because then I'm I fit in and um it's like some fleshly carnal fellowship that they have um and so this repent of your sin thing I mean so I think the devil uses those type of mechanisms uh that these people who are willing to compromise and and sell the truth um I think the devil totally uses those types of things, uh, and and repenting of your sins. That repent of your sins doctrine, that's a that's a big thing. That uh, when when I hear a pastor saying that, I just think that, um, well, a he's trusting in himself that he's not saved, that he believes um, that his changed life is um, is pleasing to God, and if he and that's what where 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 he got the. Um, 
the grace to be saved. And there's, I know every, I know there's a spectrum that's that's uh, that's that's uh, described. And sometimes I think it's just a maybe just a saved guy who um, doesn't go soul winning anymore and doesn't bear yeah. any fruit, and yeah. he just doesn't. Um, he's not preaching the gospel, and he's not doing anything for the kingdom of God. And uh, I don't think he really cares because. You know, he probably just goes home and and puts on Fox News and and you know and cheers on Donald Trump and and uh, prays for the peace <laughs> of Jerusalem. Oh yeah, you know. Yeah. How could you not, man? <laughs> you get your blessings, you know. That's right. I'm all um, Israel or all out. I'm gonna play a clip later of this guy. This was the most pro-Zionist pastor that you called. It was unbelievable. I thought he was about to start crying when you asked him the question about, is America doing enough for Israel? <laughs> I'll play that later on. But you brought up a number of things, and I, I do want to go back to, to Peter here. I just want to mention this. There was another guy on this show that you <laughs> asked him about. Anything <clears throat> remotely controversial, he would say, oh, I'll pass. I'm, I'm going to pass on that one. And he sounded so aggravated. He sounded so aggravated that you dared to ask him whether he believes Leviticus 20.13, which, by the way, is in the Bible. God's moral law never vanished away. It's not, you know, the, the sodomites being put to death is not a meat or a drink or a carnal ordinance. It's a moral law that still exists. It's still, it should still be enforced today is my point. But anything remotely controversial, this guy would say, oh, I'm, I'm going to pass. You know, I don't, I don't want to talk about that. And that's where a lot of these guys, that's their mentality, is anything that'll rattle a cage, anything that might get someone upset, anything that might cause somebody to be, someone to be offended, they don't want anything to do with it. They run the other way. Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, verse 26, Woe unto you, when all men shall speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. And yet, for a lot of these compromising Christians, they seem to want to be spoken well of by the world. They want all men to speak well of them. Well, Jesus said, Woe unto you when all men speak well of you. If everyone loves you, if the world agrees with everything that you say, you're not exactly doing Christianity right. And there's an example mm. out of Amos chapter 7 of someone who didn't compromise when he was told that what he was preaching was offensive, when he was told that what he was saying was a message that... Uh, Let's just say leadership didn't exactly, the leadership of the land there didn't exactly want to hear. He didn't back down. Amos himself. It says in verse 10 of the chapter, Then Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, sent to Jeroboam, king of Israel, house of Israel, the land is not able to bear all his words. For thus Amos saith, Jeroboam shall die by the sword, and Israel shall surely be led away captive out of their own land. So Amos is prophesying of what God's judgment on Jeroboam and we know that Amaziah the priest doesn't like that very much. He's complaining to Jeroboam here. It says in verse 12, Also Amaziah said unto Amos, O thou seer, go flee thee away into the land of Judah, and there eat bread and prophesy there. So he's telling him to go away because of what he's preaching. But prophesy not again anymore at Bethel, for it is the king's chapel and it is the king's court. Tells him, hey, stop prophesying. What you're saying is offensive. But look how Amos responds. Does he back down? Does he compromise? Is he weak like a lot of these effeminate, West Coast, Baptist, Sodomite, whatever college that they go to? No. Verse 14, Then answered Amos and said to Amaziah, 
I was no prophet, neither was I a prophet's son, but I was an herdman and a gatherer of sycamore fruit. And the Lord took me as I followed the flock, and the Lord said unto me, Go prophesy unto my people Israel. Now therefore hear the word of the Lord. Thou sayest prophesy not against Israel, and drop thy word against the house of Isaac. Therefore thus saith the Lord, Thy wife shall be an harlot in the city, and thy sons and thy daughters shall fall by the sword, and thy land shall be divided by line, and thou shalt die in a polluted land, and Israel shall surely go into captivity forth of his land. So Amos says in response to the request for him to shut up, basically, for him to stop preaching messages that are offending people, that's offending Amaziah, that's offending the king of Israel. You know what he says? Hey, your wife's going to be a whore, okay? He doesn't back down. In fact, he takes it a step further. He continues to preach what God told him to preach, the words of God. And we need more men like Amos. We need more men like Jeremiah. We need more men like Zechariah. We need more men like the Apostle Paul. We need more men like Stephen. We need more men that are willing to stand up for truth no matter who cries about it, no matter who gets offended over it. Brother Peter, you've watched some of these episodes of The Calling Random Pastors. And before we get, this is going to be the last topic here. After you're done, I'll go to the last topic and we'll wrap it up as we just hit the one hour, nine minute mark. But what's your response to the show and some of the answers that these pastors has given, not acting like Amos did there in Amos chapter seven, but instead compromising, watering down the message a lot of the time. Some of them are good. I don't want to be all negative here. Some of these pastors are good and they did give some decent answers on some of the questions that they were asked in response to some of those questions. There's no doubt about that. But we did see a large swath of them say some pretty stupid things. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, <clears throat> by and large, surprisingly, I was actually uh, fairly pleasantly surprised at a lot of these guys. And they, a lot of them actually sounded pretty cool to me. <laughs> but, um, you know, admittedly, I think sometimes to a fault, I've, because of the stands that we take, you know, as, uh, you know, it, it, like uh, in the new IFB and the way our doctrine lines up, you're almost, um, you know, you're going to destroy yourself if you're too, um, too nitpicky at certain times. So, you know, I almost on the flip side have trained myself like, okay, just look for the good. Just yeah, only look, the look for lining. the good in these pastors. And, you know, just... But, you know, that can be detrimental, too. It's, you know, you need to have a balance in your life. You can't just go into churches and pastors' houses and meeting Christians and guns a-blazing, you know, ready to just demolish them when they have false doctrine. But to, to be quite honest, my general opinion is that I was actually pleasantly surprised to know that it sounds like at least – I don't think I've – I've probably heard – uh, I, I viewed like probably 90% of the episodes that that uh, Paul has put up and um, that they've done. And overall, I'm like, wow, you know, I, I, overall, I'm pleasantly surprised. And there was a couple guys more than others who sounded, you know, like real cool. Like like I would I would enjoy fellowshipping with them. I would go to their church. I would Absolutely. like to be the right-hand man of that pastor. And, you know, despite his errors, some of them were even right on the sodomites and stuff like that. A, a couple of them, very few of them. Okay. But, you know, what I would just say to them, though, you know, looking at these, hearing what they say, 
and what comes out of their mouth and knowing that they're right. And even when it comes to the repentance issue, I get the feeling that a lot of them are saved and they just uh, have bad doctrine on repentance because when you pin them down on it, they're really not believing in a works-based salvation. They're, they're just, um, they, their doctrine is not clear and it's, it's just bad doctrine. And she's using bad terminology a lot of the time, too. bad terminology, yeah. bad definitions. So a lot of them do have the proper definition of repentance. You know what I would say, forget the ones that are just like hyper Zionist unsaved, you know, like full blown Lordship salvation, forget them because I think we, they talked, you know, uh, Dustin and, and, and Logan and Matt Powell and, uh, you know, and, and Brother Jake out there who were when they were hosting these episodes, they talked to a lot of saved pastors. So considering that they know the truth, considering that they're saved children of God, I would just say what Jesus said. And Jesus said in Matthew 513, he said, you're the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden underfoot of men. And this is it's like a, a warning from Christ. Like, don't be afraid to be salty as a Christian. You know, could you imagine if there were like 10 or 15 or 20 Pastor Stephen Anderson's out there like making the news, just like boldly proclaiming like, yeah, Australia is on fire because it's being judged by God for, uh, you know, expelling christian preachers and being a bunch of sodomites and feminists and aborting their children i mean what if there was just 10 15 20 30 preachers a year making the news you know the salt would be doing its job you know people these kinds of occurrences where and people want to lie and pretend like pastor anderson making the news and having some negative headlines sometimes Christians want to lie and pretend like it's a shame on the cause of Christ. It's not. It always leads to people getting saved. It always leads to a remnant following the light. And what I would just say is, you know, to these pastors and to these Bible college kids, you know, forget what your Bible college taught you. Open your Bible. You know, read the book of Isaiah. Read Jeremiah. Read about Elijah. You know, find out what, you know, read the words of Christ, find out what these guys were really like, yeah, find exactly. out what they were really preaching. I mean, you know, and not just pastors, you know, Christians need to, you know, use the platforms and use the tools that God has given us to, to speak the word of God and not just, you know, so oh, people say it's going to be taken away from us. YouTube is going to be, it doesn't even matter because you know what, even if YouTube is taken away, we're always going to have. You know, uh, the lunchroom at work, you're always going to have the time with your coworker yep. in uh, the work van. You're going to have, you know, uh, the phone to pick up you know, and, and call your uncle and speak these things, you know, uh, from the rooftops and, and speak these things in light and not keep them hidden and be salty because it's high time to be. Uh, to have salt in ourselves. And what does that mean? Like, what is salt? The Bible talks about salt. The sacrifices uh, were salted uh, often in the Old Testament. Jesus said, have salt in yourselves, have peace with one another. What does he mean salt? Well, salt, you know, it has a, a pungent taste that can taste, uh, it can taste pleasant or it can taste unpleasant, depending on, uh, on how much and what you're salting. Well, it preserves 
things, and it also uh, can it, it can um, it, it it's a it, it's a preservative, and it it stinks. You know, it it's um it gets in an open wound. You know, it's there. You know, it's like a, you get salt in the wound. We need to, uh, you know, speak the word of God and not be ashamed of it and not pretend like Pastor Stephen Anderson preaching Leviticus 2013 or anybody preaching the word of God or speaking the word of God is uh, is somehow shameful. You know, like, um, you know, I'm not a pastor. I'll probably never be a pastor, but that doesn't, you know, I enjoy just I enjoy serving in church and um not all these, not all the men who spoke, you know, we all God just needs a willing person. Like Isaiah said, I, I kind of identify with Isaiah. I don't know what he was really like, but Isaiah said, he said, you know, woe is me. Um, I'm not quoting it verbatim. He said, woe is me. He said, I'm undone. He said, um, for I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. But nevertheless, he said, here am I, send me. So, you know, Isaiah was a sinner. Isaiah lived in uh, a wicked, perverted nation. But when I read the book of Isaiah, I love the book of Isaiah. To me, there's two books that stand out. I know that every book of the Bible is written by the Holy Spirit. And God uses, he, he speaks, uh, he, his spirit works through, you know, human human authors and their personalities and their, um, you know, their individuality is also uh, illuminated when you read certain books of the Bible, like the, the book of Hebrews and the book of Isaiah, they have this like really special spirit to me that like, I just, I really love to read and the book of Isaiah, you know, some of the most powerful preaching, some of the best um, prophecies of the Lord Jesus Christ and times doctrine you know, uh, millennial reign, new heaven and new earth. It's, it was just a man who said, here am I, send me. And God said, I'll use you to speak the word of God. And you don't have to be some, you know, polished, you know, toe the line, Hiles Anderson, Golden State Baptist College, you know, uh, West Coast Baptist Seminary College, whatever they are. You don't have to be that guy. You just have to be willing to have salt in yourselves, like Christ said. So what it comes down to these pastors, I would implore them at this critical time in our nation's history. It can be a great time. Like We can have a great time as Christians if we will just, you know, as all these things unfold, if we will just, uh, you know, reject fear, lies, propaganda, and we'll just you know, put our faith in the word of God and speak it and preach right, it right. and believe it and not shy away from an act as if it's shameful. Yeah, it's a great, yeah, point, a great there. point there. Dustin, this is the last topic and we'll go ahead and wrap it up. It's a simple question I have for you, Brother Dustin, and I don't think it's going to take a rocket scientist to figure this one out, but the topic tonight and the theme is weak Christianity, watered down Christianity. Christianity that, like Brother Peter said, seems to be ashamed of the truth in many ways. Who's to blame? Who do you blame for these compromisers? Why, you know, basically, why do you think they existed? Who do you blame for it? Well, you know, I guess I have to blame the Bible. 
you know, because the Bible said that this would happen, that there would be people falling away from the faith, that men would be lover of them, their own selves, and that people will, the love of many will wax cold, and um, people will betray one another. Now, I'm not saying that we're at, at that point in time, but uh, I think it's just totally human nature. I think it's just how people are, and we have to rise above that human nature, and we have to live um, in obedience to the Holy Spirit of truth, and we have to worship God in spirit and truth, and we have to to uh, have the faith to to not be threatened, and um, and I think that men are just failing to do that. So, I mean, who do we blame? I, I think the devil is just getting his. Um, you know, he's just taken down some some good positions when it comes to, um, you know, his game plan to to uh, make war against the saints. And he's definitely infiltrated the churches. You know, he's he's uh, he's got the United Methodists on the ropes. He, he's thrown them down a long time ago. I don't know where they ever were, if they ever came in um, to the fight. But, you know... Um, it's gotten to be where Christianity is mocked by the world openly and, you know, blasphemies on television. And um, so, I mean, whose fault is it? Every man's fault. I mean, everybody has to make a decision for themselves. What are they going to do? Now, I'm not boasting or anything, but, you know, I love my family. I love my wife and I love my children and I've had... Um, you know, I've had several children that I loved after I loved my first child. That I, as soon as I saw my first child, I, I knew the world we were in, and I knew the answer was to get into the spiritual fight and that's to right. do the thing the Bible says, and to, um, and that's the love that we're talking about, and that's the betrayal that's happening. Is that people betray their own children? They betray their own children by shipping them off to school. They, um, they don't love. Uh, them to make the sacrifices necessary and just the generation I mean, we can well, analyze the generations the baby boomers, the millennials the, the the Gen Xers I don't know if there's what what would be wrong with my generation but I see it all over But that people are just not loving enough to, to put God first they, they don't want to believe the truth when they hear it. And I don't know if I've ever been in that situation because whenever the truth came to me when I was a kid, you know, it would hit me. And I would just be like, that's true. I don't want to face it, but it's true. So I don't know where people are with that. But I think, you know, we've just got a lot of preachers that don't love the truth. And they're, they are willing to sell their, their congregants out and sell their own families out. And, um, you know, their wives are wearing the pants, literally, <laughs> and they don't, they don't have any backbone. Well, and that's one of the questions I wanted to ask these churches. The um, that's one of my next list of questions is, do you believe the church is the backbone of uh, America? You know, and of course, these pastors are going to be like, absolutely. Praise God. We love, you know, it's all about the church. You're the backbone of America. And I'm like, then why does the church not have a backbone? 
right? Because that's why they hate Pastor Anderson is because that man has a backbone and that's why people love him is because they know he's going to stand to the end and they want to look to somebody. And that's why I moved out to Phoenix, Arizona is because I wanted to stand next to a man that would encourage me to stand to the end. And I wanted to be able... And, you know, as soon as I heard his preaching and I knew what he was about, I was like, that's a man who has faith and that's a man who believes the word of God. And so they hate Pastor Anderson. So let's get down to what's the problem. Well, what's the solution? The solution is uh, Faith Word Baptist Church, in my opinion. The solution is Verity Baptist Church, Steadfast Baptist Church, uh, All Scripture Baptist Church. Uh, all sure foundation baptist church these churches that are out there and they're preaching the word of god they're preaching hard they're taking it taking the battle to the front and um they're not afraid to say what the bible says and um, i moved out to, to faith word because pastor anderson is he exemplifies that and um he's a role model for for men to trust in the lord to have faith to have children to to uh, live healthy lives and um, to make yourself smarter and to work hard. And these other guys, they envy him. So what's the problem is that they're not that. So that's the yeah. problem in the end. That's the I problem is that... You're right. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. You're right. It is envy. No. So you look at the solution and you see what, what's working and why where we stand. Um, and, I, and praise God that I was able to find... I looked up hard preaching. That's how I found Pastor Anderson. I wanted hard preaching. So I don't know how many men in this generation are just preaching or searching hard preaching, but they're not going to find any of these other guys when they Google hard preaching. You know, these guys aren't going to show up on a Google search for hard preaching. And um, that's the problem. We need hard preaching. We need preachers with backbone. We need people that are out there willing to stand on the word of God, get the gospel out there. Um, and that's why we are where we are doing what we do um, because God's blessed us with that knowledge and we don't want to sell out and we don't want to compromise and we don't want to betray those people that, um, that we are responsible to. Um, so that's why I'm here. It's for my family, for the people I love and for the people that the Lord loves. Um, and um, there's purpose in it. And I don't know, I don't see some of these guys have that same purpose and I don't think I think they're just out to be in a club and they just like being a pastor and they've got that thing before their name and 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 it's somewhere in between there and that, right? That they're full on wanting to serve God and they just like being a pastor and they like the they like the money because they're in it for the wrong reasons. And um and the and the softest, most sissified, um non preaching sin non preaching against sin not hard preaching those guys that's the problem is that yeah. that those people have been lifted up and um society like likes it for the most part so. yeah well i mean that's a great assessment right there it is what the world wants right now but you see it on your screen i wanted to show an example i mentioned this earlier pastor greg hardesty now unfortunately Dustin and Peter, you won't be able to hear this. I'm only going to play a few seconds, though. This is his answer to the Israel question. Do I believe the U.S. does enough to support the nation of Israel? Yes, sir. Yeah. You know what? I believe with all my heart that we could never do enough. We never could to love God's chosen people. I am Israel, pro-Israel, plus Israel. 
and we support a lot of Jewish works that are. We biblical. could never do enough, he says. And, um, it sounds like he's getting so emotional. Love Israel. I don't think we could ever do enough for God. I don't people. think we can ever do Thank enough so much. for God's people. <laughs> there he is, Pastor Greg Hardesty. Now, I do want to caveat by saying that there are some humble, good men of God who are saved and they're soul winning that the Framing the World folks have contacted. But that gentleman right there is all Zionism, all the way, full on Israel. It sounded like he was tearing up and getting emotional. There is nothing that we could, there is no way we could ever do enough for God's chosen people. Unbelievable. I asked the question, how are we in the state that we're in today? Well, unfortunately, leadership has failed us. <laughs> and, and the spiritual leaders of this country have failed us. Jeremiah 14, 14 says, Then the Lord said unto me, The prophets prophesy lies in my name. I sent them not, neither have I commanded them, neither spake unto them. They prophesy unto you a false vision and divination and a thing of naught and the deceit of their heart. Repent of your sins, work salvation is the deceit of a false prophet's heart. It's not in the Bible. It's not what God said. The reason why we have compromising Christianity, weak Christianity today, is because those behind the pulpit who've compromised on the Word of God have failed to train up the next generation. Ultimately, that congregation, their leading, is a reflection of their weakness. Okay, And you know what, though? At the end of the day, we can't also avoid blaming the individual as well it says in first john 2 15 love not the world not the things that are in the world if any man love the world the love of the father was not in him there need to be more christians who decide to eschew the things of the world and live a separated sanctified life and in doing so that's how they'll realize you know what i'm not a compromiser i am standing on the word of god the people may not the world may not like it but ultimately god will be pleased and that's all that matters but I played that clip for you just to illustrate the problem right there so you could hear it for yourself. The spiritual leadership of America has failed this country. And the only way there's ever going to be change is from behind the pulpit. But when you have pastors who are more concerned and crying about Israel, well then, how could you expect anything to actually change? Peter, we'll end it with you. Who do you blame for all this? Well, I blame saved Christians, unfortunately. I blame uh, Baptists. I blame God's people because the Bible blames God's people because the Bible promises that it's, he says, if my people, which are called by my, my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. So what what's most imperative that we take from this broadcast tonight is um, first it, it starts with our responsibility to seek God as Christians, those who have been given the Holy Spirit, who have been given the oracles of God, who have the Bible, who have the Word of God. Uh, we have a responsibility to get the sin out of our life, to clean up our life, to seek God, to humble ourselves, to pray, to seek God's face. I mean, the Bible promises that God will uh, forgive our uh, collective sin and heal our land if we do that. He's not—he's not looking—he's uh, not looking first for the 
the sodomites to quit being sodomites. He's not looking to the thief to stop being a thief who's not saved. He's not uh, looking at an adulterous, unsaved, carnal world and expecting them to change. What he's expecting is Christians to seek his face and to turn from their wicked ways and to uh, not act like the world. It's like you said, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. So we need to identify the lust of the flesh in our life as Christians. We need to identify uh, the pride of life, the lust of uh, the eyes, and get it out of our life and pray. Um, and you know what? Then God... God's not going to bless a rebellious, uh, proud, arrogant, haughty people, even if they are saved. If his people are that way, he's not going to bless them with just these terrific pastors, these great men of God um, behind the pulpit. He's going to just he's going to give them what they ask for. You know, God is that that's how God is. If you read the prophets, a lot of like, you know. Uh, the, the Bible says, he says, um, you know, the prophets prophesy lies. I, I, I can't quote it right now, but he talk, talks about the prophets prophesying lies. And he says, and my people love to have it so. And what shall you do in the end thereof? He's like, what are you going to do when you are just, you're God's people, but you love lies? You're God's people, but you love uh, just hearing the deceit of some prophet's heart okay then that's what you're gonna get you're gonna reap to yourself that so i would say um it starts with christians that's how we've gotten here you know have we gotten the abortion the sodomy the uh, adultery the hollywood the uh, judaizing just you know under the thumb of the jew you know and all the zionisms and, and stuff like that it's because christians have dropped the ball somewhere along the line and not just Christians, some far, you know, somewhere in a faraway land. No Christians, you know, Christians, the Christian watching this, you know, God's people. So that's where it starts. Is you know, if we get right individually and we start taking some responsibility as Christians and uh, seek the Word of God and try to find out where we've been dropping the ball, God's more likely to heal our heal our land i mean what can we do besides take responsibility for ourselves and for our families and for our churches that's all we can do and then see if god, let's see if god doesn't answer you know doesn't come through on his promise to heal our land you know because it's it's easy to just throw up your hands like oh it's the end times you know uh, wars and rumors of wars and it's happening and you know but it's fine you know let's just it's it's just the way it's the world's fault that's um a lame cop out you know we we ought to want to see god do something and the way we do that is trying to uh obey his word it's really as simple as that all right good points all around there peter dustin i want to thank you very much for coming on the show tonight i know you probably have a real busy schedule there at framing the world keep up the great work with the calling random pastors show you also have Deported coming out soon. There's the missions conference at Faithful Word Baptist Church. There's always something to look forward to. Brother Paul Wittenberger, he's always busy, <laughs> around the clock, doing something, I'm sure. But Dustin, any last words for the people before I wrap it up? 
Did no, I don't really have anything, Ben. Sorry, the mic was muted, so okay. that way I can cough and and laugh to myself without interrupting your your flow. You know, Ben, I think you're doing a great job. I'm I'm really glad with with uh with uh, being here, and um, it's always a pleasure to talk with Peter. And so um, I know this goes uh, a lot longer than what you typically do, so forgive me if I get wordy, but uh, no, I'm going to keep it short. So, uh, yeah, just God bless you, man. All the best to you. Same to you, Peter, and just thanks for having me on here. And just tune in. Just uh, subscribe to Framing the World Live, and don't miss any of these episodes. We're going to... Um, like I said, we'll be streaming live on Patreon. So if you got a couple bucks a month, you want to go ahead and sign up for that. Um, Framing the World Live there on Patreon, you'll get a notification and you'll be able to just see these phone calls happen live. And you never know what's going to happen as we go down the line of these these pastors and call hopefully every single pastor that we can get a phone number for here in the United States. And... Um, yeah, and also if you're if you're local here in in Phoenix, Tempe area, just give us a holler because if you want a shot at it, that's anybody who's made these phone calls um, was able to just give us a call and come down, and we just carved out some time, and 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 Paul's down here, and Paul's, you know, he fires up the stream machine, and we get this thing going, and uh, and anybody that wants to do it, you know, just give us a call and you know let Paul know and. And we'd be more than happy to to get you in on the fun. So thanks again, Ben. Thank you. You did me a favor. I do appreciate it. Everyone you've had on that has conducted the interviews or whatever you want to call it, I thought has done a really good job. So you've got some, some talent to work with for sure. Peter, last words to the fans before I close it out. And that is nah, it was a lot of fun. God bless you guys. Dustin, God bless you. It's always good to see you. And uh, Brother Ben, in your um, all your future endeavors, uh, Godspeed to you, and I'm sure I'll talk to you soon. And God bless the chat. I was kind of I was following the chat, you know, admittedly. So while, while you guys were talking, so God bless the chat, and uh, I hope you guys are having a good new year. Absolutely. Thank you to everybody for tuning in. This will be the last show I do for a while, a, a few weeks. I'm taking a hiatus because I'm moving. And so I'm not going to be able to record the show. You know, when you move to a new place, you got to settle in and there's going to be a new studio, things like that. It's a really exciting time. So the show is going to go on a break for a little while, but I will be back and doing it every Monday night at 9 p.m. Eastern. 8 o'clock central thereafter, so stay tuned to the channel for more updates. But the Sword of the Spirit is going on a short break for now because I'm moving, but then when I get back, it'll be on the air as usual every single week. Again, thanks to those of you in the chat room and everyone listening live for Brother Peter and Brother Dustin. This is Benjamin Naeem signing off for tonight. Another show is in the books. And I wouldn't be doing it if nobody was listening. So you guys are very important, the audience. And I do really appreciate you tuning in every week. So I'll be back soon. Not next week, but probably maybe two weeks or so. We'll see. Tune into youtube.com slash benthebaptist for more. But until I get back, God bless you all. And as I always say, you know, it's, it's just it's always a pleasure to do this. 
and I'll talk to you guys again after a while. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.